0: Hi, and welcome to At Any Rate, j Global Research Podcast Series, where we take a look at some of the drivers behind the biggest trends and themes across fixed income currencies, quantity markets. I'm Francis Diamond from the European Rates Strategy Team, and today I'm joined by Alan Monks, our UK economist, to discuss the upcoming February BoE meeting and some of our views around UK rates markets. We are recording this podcast on January 26th. My comments today are based on my latest Global Fixed Income Markets Weekly publication, which is available to institutional clients at J.P. Morgan on our J.P. Morgan Markets website. So Alan, the BOE is widely expected to keep rates on hold for the February meeting. But what's your view in terms of the messaging and the forecasts? Do you think they'll keep the tightening bias and how do you see the vote going in terms of any dissents?
1: Yeah, okay, thanks, Francis. So, I mean, there have been quite a few significant developments um, since the December meeting, which I think means the Bank of England will- have to change its tone. Um, Clearly, we've had inflation surprises, which have generally swung to the downside, apart from the very latest release. Um, But then you've also had um, the surprises on the wage side coming in, generally to the downside as well. Um, And I think related to that, this sort of perceived degree of upside risk that the Bank of England uh, expressed around its inflation forecast, that's also changed as well. so I think you know we have to you know, expect the Bank of England to make this dovish pivot. Um, I guess that's not a surprise given that they did seem to be quite hawkish last time relative to people's expectations in, in December, um, in terms of the vote being unchanged and yeah, they stuck to the same language. And I, I also thought last time they were quite uh, you know they they downplayed some of the downside surprises that we had in in the data, whereas I don't think they can do that this time round. Um, but I think it's that the main question is, you know, to what degree do they shift? And I think probably the main message that I'd expect is that they'll, you know, sort of signal that there's been, you know, more progress uh, on inflation. Um, I mean, it it looks as though a headline would, you know, drop below two percent. I think around the spring, but I don't think they want to put too much emphasis on that as a as a measure of uh, success on uh you know getting inflation down but they'll want to sort of emphasize that the battle's not yet won. Uh I think they will want to communicate that easing is is certainly on the agenda for this year, but sort of you know at the same time ne- wanting to to stay cautious about the exact timing there. So I I would see them pointing towards an easing around the summer, um, but probably no earlier than that at this stage, given that I think they want to see um you know more more reassurance from the data i think in terms of more precise signals the kind of things that people look out for on the vote my best guess would be nine nil i think so there were three hawkish descents um i think they probably all go Um, and i would say there's a risk that we could see some dovish descent here so Dingra. Does she vote for a cut? You know, it could be an 8-1 vote. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. In terms of the language, you mentioned the tightening bias. I think if all of the descents go for uh, all of the hawkish descents, then probably the tightening bias gets removed or at least watered down. So no explicit mention of further tightening, even though they'll stay uh, cautious on inflation and say that they're watching the, the risks. Um, and then you had this language as well on uh, you know, rates needing to remain uh, restrictive for an extended period. I would probably think that that stays actually. I mean, I know when people hear extended period, they think it's a commitment to keeping rates unchanged, but it, the comment was really about restrictive policy setting. So I think they could leave that in there. I don't think it's gonna box them in or, you know, pre- prevent them from being able to cut in the near term if, if they felt that as necessary. Because of course you could start cutting rates and then quite easily argue that the uh, policy setting is still restrictive so i think they probably keep that in for this meeting uh, i guess if they took took it out with everything else that we're expecting then it, it could lead to a an overreaction in terms of uh, you know the, the market's reaction to it and they probably want to avoid that in terms of the forecast i mean i i think they'll be using an assumption that there's you know roughly 120 basis points of cumulative cuts priced in for, for the course of this year. I know the market's moved since then, but the window that they use, I think, would be closer to that. It's where we were earlier in the month. Um, and then also with a reasonably high uh, expectation of a maker as pricing was. Um, so I think they would probably see that as too much, too early. On that basis, I think they would show inflation uh, at the all-important sort of two-year horizon on their mean projections, so incorporating the upside risk, I think they would show that a little bit above too, just to slightly push back on the degree of easing that uh, has been there in markets. Um, obviously, they'll make a bigger downgrade on the inflation, near-term inflation projections, um, as I've uh, discussed earlier. And then on the growth side, I think revising up growth, there's a few things they need to take account of, uh, the fiscal easing, from last november is not in their forecast yet we've had the easing in financial conditions and then you've had the sort of ongoing strength in real income so i think that as well is something that uh that i'd expect in in terms of the forecast changes okay
0: thanks um so maybe if you talk a little bit about your views around timing and the first ease um i mean you currently got uh, the first cut in august possibly could be a little bit earlier in your forecast so, what are you looking at then, in terms of particularly inflation and wage data, in terms of the evolution of those data to, uh, over the next few months? And what do you think would need to change for you to think a uh, cut in the first half of this year is is even a possibility?
1: Yeah. So, I, I, where I am at the moment, I've got August for the first um, cut, as you as you said. I mean, I I don't think I could push back strongly against June. Um, but I, at this moment in time, March or May feels too early. I don't think we're ready to, to signal that. So what what could change that? Um, I mean, barring a big surprise in their communications next week, it would obviously be certain elements of the data that they'd be looking out for. Um, so I think that even though headline inflation is set to come down very sharply, back to two, maybe slightly below two, uh, for a temporary period they'd be more worried about the underlying inflation process and i think yes we've seen the downside surprises on wages and uh services inflation but you've got some of these early pay deals coming in close to 5% that's not that much of a uh, a drop from where we were last year on average um and then this kind of i guess you could call it a super core measure that the bank thing then devised in um uh, in December, this sort of stripped-down measure of services inflation that they've been drawing attention to on a sort of annualised run rate that's still running at 5 5.5%. Five so I think if you and, and then we've also got this survey that the Bank of England is doing, its agent survey of pay expectations from businesses this year. So if, if these kind of indicators have still got 5% attached to them you know, within that kind of ballpark, I think they would still say pretty cautious, and you know you would still be expecting core inflation to be kind of getting stuck close to sort of three percent on a on a run rate basis, and that would feel like it's um, yes, it's progress, but still slow progress, and the last mile is hardest, etc. So I think we would need to see those kind of indicators uh, change. For example, if you had the average earnings data, which have had a, a clear weak patch, if they didn't show much of a rebound, and then you were sort of running closer to three or 4%. I think that would be a significant change rather than the 5% in my forecast. And then if you saw this kind of super core cool measure, um, you know, instead of running at sort of four and a half, five, getting below four, I think that would be a more significant uh, development and probably a surprise relative to the forecast the Bank of England shows. Um, and then that would open up the door uh, for a, a cut that's earlier than assumed in my forecast.
0: Okay. Um, so maybe let's just talk a little bit about the international backdrop in the Fed. There's a lot of focus amongst market participants in terms of timing, start of Fed cuts. Jake Morgan call is for June, but definitely there's some people and market participants out there thinking a March ease is, is possible. Uh, we'll see you next week, obviously, with the Fed meeting in terms of any signalling around that. But it, it's a very common question for people to try to link central banks globally so if there was a Fed ease in March would that change the way you're thinking about the BOE do you think that changes the way the BOE BOE can act um any thoughts in terms of how you see
1: that yeah I mean clearly as as we discussed before there is a strong correlation between you know Bank of England Fed moves the pricing uh, for that but I, I do think sometimes people sort of look at that and then you know, maybe make the mistake of thinking that there's a strong causal relationship between the two. You know, the Fed leading the uh, the Bank of England, and I. You know, of course there are direct influences. There's a currency channel, perhaps a little bit of um, how can I say a little bit of groupthink between the way that the you know central banking community thinks about issues. So I'm not trying to dismiss any of that, but I do think the main reason for that correlation is that it's really the underlying data um, that's driving those central bank decisions that is correlated whether you look at you know growth or inflation, uh, spare capacity measures. So I think you know if, if the Fed did move in March, you know one of the reasons for that might be that there's further downside surprises on inflation. Um, so then if you were to see the same thing happening in the UK inflation data then yes it would open up the possibility for the Bank of England to go earlier. You know, in the first half of this year, but I, I would I would certainly look at the issue in terms of you know data dependency, and I think that would be driving uh, the Bank of England's decisions. And of course, I think that's appropriate because we did end up with a situation last year where, at least in the first half, it did look as though the UK was kind of showing a different trend from elsewhere in terms of inflation surprises. It kind of decoupled. Uh, for a period of time before you know uh, showing further convergence so i think the bank of england has also got its own issues in terms of needing to build up confidence that you know the the end is in sight here in terms of the inflation overshoots so if we just turn to markets now uh, a little bit do you agree with what's priced in uh, for the bank of england at the moment francis and what's your view generally on on uk rates
0: well, I think it's fair to say market pricing is is reasonably in line with, with the view you have in terms of timing and, and probably where we think breaks should be by the end of the year. So we've got twenty-five basis points cut fully priced for June, about hundred basis points at the end of this year. So not a million miles away from where you're thinking, and certainly where our view sits. I guess what we've seen over the past couple of weeks is is certainly sterling markets have underperforms. We've seen a backup in Sterling rates pretty much across the curve. I think some of that is just a little bit on the data flow in terms of the PMI, but also we've seen a a bit of a dovish move yesterday uh, from the ECB. So I think the way we look at this is probably market pricing is not um, specifically out of line or or particularly um, uh, different from sort of our our central forecasts. But just from a risk-reward standpoint, I think if we're looking at a a BOE that's shifting to, uh, as you say, a dovish pivot, with some, let's say uncertainty just around exactly how the language is, um, is developing and evolving over the next uh, few months and through through the spring. I think we probably wanna have some long exposure at the front end of the UK curve. Um, and as I said, the backup has probably got us to levels whereby that risk reward around a, a bit of a dovish pivot from the central bank and, and the BOE particularly does make long exposure uh, look attractive. We tend to prefer that through sort of money market flatteners. We do like being along the sort of one-year-one-year-forward part of the curve as well. That's mainly a bit more of you in terms of where we think terminal rate pricing can get to. And, and as we've discussed and has been the case for some time, the idea of observational equivalence in the data between hard landing and soft landing clearly doesn't give you a lot of visibility yet in terms of exactly uh, how the next 12 months, 18 months pan out at a global level. I think we look at market pricing, a trough in terminal rate for the Bank of England that's around about 3.4%. I mean, that's still probably restrictive. Um, That still probably feels a bit high at the end of an easing cycle. Um, So I think we would like to get exposure to sort of that part of the curve and and basically be be long duration um, in some form, mainly at the front end, Um, and with a bit bit of a tactical view. And I think our sense has been we're in an environment where clearly the data is not deteriorating fast enough to put urgency as you said it doesn't look like uh, cuts in the next couple of months look look likely so i think that does mean um we may be in ranges for a little bit but with yields towards the top end of those ranges we do like long exposure here and and particularly targeting sort of money market flatness at the front end
1: right okay and what about the long end of the curve any strong views there well
0: you've definitely seen a bit of an underperformance across market i think it's notable When you look at the 10-year and 30-year part of the curve and forwards in that region, there's been some decent underperformance against uh, euro rates to the point whereby certain long-end forwards um, on a cross-market basis against euro forwards are almost back to their LDI crisis levels in terms of those yield spreads. And I think what is notable here is there's been a bit of a decoupling of some of these long forwards versus the front end. It's not really 15 BOE versus ECB rate expectations that are driving this. I think maybe there's a bit of a focus now as the March budget approaches, um, possibility of tax cuts, the possibility of it, uh, it's still extending high levels of UK bill issuance with a BOE that probably is still running QT sales in the background. I think this adds a little bit of this sort of risk premium and term premium so the forwards in, in the intermediate and the longer part of the curve. So i say, first of all, probably the long end of the curve in the UK does look now on a sort of a levels basis, quite cheap cross-market, particularly against Europe. Um, we might be a bit cautious about fading that. I think we prefer to be long duration, more in the money market space, where we can just take a view a bit more easily on the BOE and, and sort of the shifting delivery. Uh, but that, that probably also means the curve does look a little bit steep in terms of ten thirties. But I think in an environment where is using rates eventually to curve can steepen further. And I think from our valuation models, we wouldn't say that now's a great time to enter curve steepeners, um, given probably the curve is is already trading a little bit too steep on the valuation framework. So summarize that, it does look a little cheap, but probably not enough to warrant fading here at these levels. So that's it from, from us. Um, thanks, Alan, for the discussion. To summarize, uh, we think we're gonna see a, a, a dovish pivot next week from the from the banking february meeting we still think there is a high bar for rate cuts in the in the coming months and still think the first ease is is in the summer and in terms of rate market views we like being long front end duration through uh, outright longs and money market flatteners in the uk curve so to all our listeners stay tuned for more updates in fixed income space here at any rates, Jake Morgan's Global Research Podcast Series. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read the Jake Morgan Research Reports related to its contents, more information, including important disclosures. Copyright 2024, Jake Morgan Chase and Co. All Rights Reserved. This episode was recorded on January 26th, 2024.